the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring Fibber McGee and Molly, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, my friend Irma, and the Lux Radio Theater. In radio, sound effects have always been an important part of any show. Here's one of the most famous sounds. Oh, no, not that door open. No, no, that's the whole house. Don't go... That, that, of course, was the, uh, the sound of Fibber McGee's closet door opening. You know, every Tuesday night for over ten years, millions of people tuned in to hear the most popular show on the air. With Jim and Marion Jordan as Fibber McGee and Molly, we feature Gail Gordon as Mayor Latrivia. Fifi had rather hard going in those early days. Yeah, yes, She tough. really had to economize on everything. <laughs> yeah. on, uh, on trains, for instance, she usually took an upper berth because it was lower. Was that again, Latrive? I said Fifi often bought an upper because it was lower. You mean the lower berth was higher? <laughs> higher than the upper berth, yes. Now, wait a minute, Latrive. I ain't any Einstein at arithmetic, so you better break this thing down for me. Which was lower, the lower or the upper? The upper was lower. Well, if the uppers are lower, why do they use those little ladders to get into the uppers? Why? Because they're higher than the lowers. You said the lowers were higher. No, no, not higher. No, I, I meant they were more. More what? More higher, you mean. <laughs> How much more higher than the uppers are the lowers, Latrib? Because the lowers are... Oh, all... stop it. Huh? You're deliberately trying to confuse the issue. What? I merely stated that Miss Tremaine... Now, 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 relax, pro- Mr. Mayor. <laughs> Leave us not shriek at each other. Let's argue this out quietly. Very well. <laughs> Why, certainly. We've all traveled on trains. Why, sure. We all know we got two kinds of berths in a train, uppers and lowers. People who are on their uppers can't ride on the lowers because the lowers are higher than the uppers, right? <laughs> Yes. Uh, so Mr. Has... Tremaine could just as well have had a lower. Sure. Because if the uppers were lower than the lowers, then the lowers would be higher than the uppers. And the upper would then be the lower. Because sure. I didn't what... say Fifi lowered a higher upper. Huh? I had a lower heaper. Huh? I mean, when I said the hoopers were in the lipper, the lower people. Oh, if she right? climbed into an upper ladder on a lower dipper, popped <laughs> into a loper when the lipper was snuffed. <laughs>
McGee? <laughs> yes, boy? Can you move around all right in that skirt? Oh, sure, why? Well, I just wanted to know if you could circulate all right. You know that yesterday was the first day of spring. Oh, it wasn't that, wasn't it? So what, Latrev? Well, it affects me like it does a tree. If the sap can circulate sufficiently, the tree leaves. Good day. <laughs> Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy captured the nation's sense of humor in the early days of radio and, and continued with their Sunday night show well into the 50s. I know this will recall a few memories. And here they are now, the stars of our show, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Last thing is here, the sterols are singing and the hummingbirds are humming. Charlie, oh, the bald eagle is here. <laughs> I want to talk to you about a certain little item that have... little things that have been disappearing from my house. Yeah? Yeah. Well, excuse me, Bergen, I... I gotta throw a bird out of the bird bath. You do? Why? Well, it's a male robin, and he's been using a towel marked hers. Oh. <laughs> uh, dirty bird. Oh. <laughs> this is serious, Charlie. Food has been missing from my deep freeze, and I want to know, are you guilty or are you innocent? Can I have another category? No, you <laughs> Or better yet, can I think it over and come back next week? No, you can't. Come on out with it. Bergen. I don't know anything about that missing food, so help me. Is that so? Uh, I don't know when to believe you. Well, now would be a peachy time. No. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't take any uh, of that stuff? I'm dead sure. Are you sure you didn't go near the deep freeze? I'm dead sure. The cook saw you getting in there. She did? Yes. I'm dead. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Charlie, I expect the truth. All right. I took the food, Bergie, because Skinny Dugan and I have just opened a lunch wagon. A lunch wagon? Yeah. Oh, so that's it. Yes, it's called the McCarthy Dugan Greasy Grotto. Uh -huh. <laughs> Our slogan is food like Mother used to cook when she was trying to collect Dad's insurance. I... <laughs> so you two are in business again? Yeah. Well, tell me, is your lunchroom, is it very popular? Oh, is it? We just got the good housekeeping seal of indigestion. <laughs> In 1947, Cy Howard created a program which was destined to become a hit, not only on the radio, but also for several very successful seasons on television. Now, Marie Wilson stars with Kathy Lewis... In My Friend Irma. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Little Irma's going to be engaged. Who knows, maybe it won't be long before they get married. Well, I guess that'll be up to Al. He's got to convince her the two can live on her salary. Hello, Jane, Miss O'Reilly. Well, I've got everything I need. You have, sweetie? Oh, what are you going to make for him? Uh, for the main dish, I'm going to cook him a meatloaf. And for dessert, I bought a nice pie. Pie? What kind? A nice, fresh chicken pie. And I got some whipped cream to put on it. <laughs> Sounds just like nothing Well, I've got to be running along Good luck on your dinner, Irma Oh, thanks, Miss O'Reilly And if it works on Al, I'll save you a piece of meatloaf To put under your pillow for good luck Well, Irma 
Lola has been in the kitchen for almost an hour now, and I'm a nervous wreck. Why? Because Irma has decided she wants to do this all by herself, and I can't set foot in the kitchen. The sounds that have come out of that room could only be caused by disaster. Now it's, it's even more nerve-wracking. The noise has stopped, and there is complete silence. Who knows what's going on in there? Maybe she put her head in the oven to see if the meatloaf was done. <laughs> I can't bear the suspense any longer. Irma, Irma, what are you doing with your head out the window? Well, everything's done but the gravy, and I can't look at it because you know what they say. A watch pot never boils. Look, honey, I I've got the table all set, and Al will be here any minute, so why don't you take off that apron and then freshen up a bit? Oh, all right, Jane. Will you help me get the dinner on the table? Sure, sweetie. Oh, that must be Al now. Uh, will you let him in, Jane? Uh-huh. Come in. Hello, Jane. Hiya, chicken. Hello, Al, honey. Mmm, smells good. What's my surprise to you, Al? I cooked you a dinner. Well, this is really something. <laughs> Chicken, I've got a surprise for you, too. Oh, don't tell me now, Al. Uh, sit down here at the head of the table. I want to see how you'll like my dinner. All right, chicken. Oh, meatloaf. My favorite dish. Mind if I take this thick slice on the end? Oh, of course, Al. Oh, Jane, look at him eat. Isn't it wonderful? Uh-huh. But well, go ahead, Al. Tell her about the ring. The ring? Oh, Al. Oh, look, Jane. He's got his head down and he's blushing. Jane, isn't it funny? Alice blushing green. <laughs> Don't be so bashful, Al. Uh, what did you want to say? Oh. <laughs> Quick, somebody call a doctor. Irma, Irma, what did you put in that meatloaf? Oh, yolks of eggs and meat and Melanie's dressing and Libby's tomato juice and someone's mixed... <laughs> What do you mean, someone's mixed vegetables? Whose? I don't know. Al must have swallowed one of my labels. Name three benefits available to you as a serviceman. Uh, free medical care, uh, lower prices at the commissary, and, um... SGLI? SGLI? Oh, I pay for that. True, but have you considered what $15,000 worth of life insurance would cost if you were a civilian? I never thought about that. Hey, what does my SGLI cost me? Two fifty-five a month for $15,000. That good? You bet. And since July 72, SGLI rates are 15% lower than before. When is the last time something went down in cost? Yeah, SGLI. <laughs> That's some benefit. Now another sound effect, which was well-known on radio for over 25 years. Uh, Sergeant, ring the detectives for me. Yes, sir. Twenty-first squad, Detective Cassidy. This Captain Kennelly is Lieutenant King around? Uh, no, sir. The lieutenant's swinging today. Oh yes. Uh, look, somebody was talking to a boy up there last night about some burglaries. Paul Hans. Can you find out for me who was handling those squeals? Uh, yes, sir. It was me, Captain. Uh, what did you want to know? Well, uh, what about it? Was he right for them? About breaking into the flats, I don't know for sure, Captain. But that kid was inside the florist shop for sure. Oh, why'd you turn him out? He denies the whole thing, and I had nothing to hold him on. Just the information from another kid that Paul showed him $20 and told him it came out of the shop. Paul says the other kid is a liar. He never had $20. Well, he still had 11 in his pocket. Oh. I asked him where he got it. He said he wanted playing cards in a club room. The boy just sat here and lied to me for two hours. And polite. 
never met anyone so polite. He's the politest liar I ever saw. Well, what are you doing about him, Cassidy? Well, I'm going to keep my eye on him and talk to him after every break-in. His, uh, his brother wants me to talk to him. See if I can straighten him out. Does he? Yep. I'm going to see him this afternoon. Well, I wish you luck, Captain. That boy's a walking corkscrew. At 4.15, sector car number three came by the house and drove me to 690 East 70th Street, an old law tenement building. The first floor had been converted to commercial purposes. The front rooms on one side were occupied by a beauty parlor. Those on the other by Ralph Hatt's radio repair shop. I walked up the stoop and into the hall. Through the glass door, I could see a young woman sitting at the counter, thumbing through the pages of a magazine. Hello. Oh, hello. You're that captain. Captain Kennelly, yes. Ralph's in the back. I'm his wife. Ralph! Let me turn this thing off. Ralph, that captain's here. All right. He's back there working on a rush job. The customer wants it back in time for the fight tonight. You're going to talk to the kid, huh? Paul. That's right. You're wasting your time. Ralph! All right. He'll smile at you and say, yes, sir, no, sir, and he'll go right out and do what he pleases. Boy, look at that casserole. The magazine gives you a recipe and a picture in color and tells you how to make it in every detail. You think it ever turns out like the picture? Never. Ralph! One second. You know, that kid's been lying and stealing since he was able to walk. He's just rotten, through and through. But don't quote me. Ralph's mother will jump down my throat. She thinks he's an angel. Ah. Hey, excuse me, Captain. That's all right. I was soldering a new condenser in the radio. I, I couldn't let it go. Sorry. Well, where's Paul? He'll be here. Well, a captain's a busy man. Paul should be here waiting for the captain instead of the captain waiting for Paul. Oh, it's just 4.30. It's a waste of time and effort with that kid. How do you know it's a waste of time and effort? He's no good. Now, you've got no right to say that, Stella. Just because some kid in the neighborhood is mad at Paul and lied to the police about him, you've got no right. The detectives let him go, didn't they? Just because they couldn't prove it. I don't have to prove it. I know. So do you. I don't know. Sure. You're still a little boy. You listen to everything Mama tells you. If Mama told you to go jump in the river, you jump. All right, Stella. Mama tells you Paul's an angel, so he's an angel. All right. Well, it's true. Uh, I'm sorry, Captain. That's all right, but uh, instead of arguing over what the truth is, I think we'd all do better for him if we pay a little more attention to the future. The boy needs help. Whether he's guilty or not, he's been suspected, been questioned by detectives. That uh, might have some detrimental effect in itself. The job is to see that he's headed in the right direction and stays headed that way. That's what I meant, Captain. That's why I wanted you to talk to him, exactly. Oh, sure. Paul? No, it's not Paul. Me. Well, where's Paul, Ma? I didn't tell him to come. He's home. But the Captain made a special trip to talk to him. This is Captain Kennelly, Ma. Miss Hans? How do you do? There's nothing to talk about, so I didn't tell him. Why should he talk to the captain if there's nothing to talk about? Well, uh, there wouldn't be any harm in speaking to him, Miss Hans. There's been plenty of harm already. To take a nice boy like that to the police station, to, to ask him all kinds of questions, to make a criminal out of him. No one can make a criminal out of him, Mrs. Hans. He's got to do that himself. A good boy like that. You know what it is, don't you? It's the neighborhood. 
No matter how good a boy he is, if he grows up in this neighborhood, he hasn't got a chance. You don't give him a chance. I wouldn't say that, Mrs. Hans. Look at Ralph. He grew up in exactly the same place. He seems to have turned out okay. Every Monday night for over two decades, the Lux Radio Theater brought motion picture stars to the microphone in adaptations of famous movies. Virtually every important star in Hollywood appeared on the program with two notable exceptions. Charlie Chaplin, perhaps because of his silent films, and Greta Garbo, who probably just wanted to be alone. The host for the program for many years was the well-known Hollywood producer-director Cecil B. DeMille. By the way, the music you're listening to in the background is the theme of the program. And now, from the Lux Radio Theater of January 24th, 1944, here is an excerpt. The last few minutes of Casablanca starring Alan Ladd and Hedy Lamar. Just trust me. Yes, yes. I don't know how to thank you, Rick. Save it. There's still lots of things to do. I brought the money. It's in this briefcase. Forget it. You'll need it in America. But we made a deal. Never mind that. Yeah, I got the letters here. They're made out in blank and signed by General Vagon. All you have to do is fill in the blanks. I'm sorry, Laszlo. You're under arrest again. Accessory to the murder of the couriers from whom those letters were stolen. Oh, you're surprised about my friend Ricky. Well, the explanation is simple. Love, it seems, has triumphed over virtue. Oh, now, take it easy, Louis. Nobody's going to be arrested. Not for a while yet. Have you taken leave of your senses? Yeah. Now, sit down. Oh, Ricky, Ricky, put down that gun. Now, look, I wouldn't like to shoot you, Louie, but I will if you don't behave. Oh. Under the circumstances, then, I will sit down. Yeah, and keep your hands on the table. I'm very unhappy, Ricky. There's a telephone right next to you, Louie. Now pick it up and dial the airport. We don't want any trouble out there either. Remember, Louie, this gun is pointed right at your heart. Oh, that's my least vulnerable spot. Hello? Hello, hello? Is this the airport? What are you talking about? This is Major Strasser. Captain Leno, I want to speak to the operations manager. What? Oh, go ahead, Leno. Oh, monsieur, a man and a woman will arrive shortly at the airport. Huh? They will go aboard the Lisbon plane. They carry two letters of transit. Ah. There is to be absolutely no trouble made for them. Understand? Right, be there right away. Thank you. Thank you. Taking off in five minutes. This is the last call for passengers to please board the plane. Lisbon plane. Five minutes. You've got to hurry now, Laszlo. Take care of your luggage. We'll wait here. Right back. Here's a fountain pen, Louis. I think it might look nicer if you filled in the names on the letters. You think of everything, don't you? Yeah. And the names are Mr. and Mrs. Victor Laszlo. Rick, why my name? Because you're getting on the plane. I, I don't understand. What about you? Yes, what about you? I'm staying here. No. No, Rick. What's happened? Last night you said... Last night I said I do the thinking for the both of us. Well, I've done a lot of it since then. It all adds up to just one thing. You're getting on that plane with Laszlo. I won't leave you again, Rick. I won't. Listen to me. Do you have any idea what you would have to look forward to if you stay here? We'd both wind up in a concentration camp. I'm afraid Major Strasser might insist. You're saying this only to make me go. I'm saying it because it's true. 
Inside of us, we both know that you belong to Victor. And what happens to you? Well, I've got a job to do, Ilson. And where I'm going, you can't follow. I'm sounding noble now. I'm not very good at it. But it doesn't take much to see that the problems of two little people... Well, they just don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Everything's in order. All except one thing. There's something you have to know before we leave. Please, you don't have to explain anything. But I'm going to, because it may make a difference to you later on. You know about Rick and me? Yes. But you didn't know I was with him last night at his place when you were there. No. She came to get the letters. She tried everything to get them and nothing worked. She did her best to convince me she was still in love with me. But that was over a long time ago. For your sake, she pretended it wasn't. Well, I let her pretend. I understand. Now, here are the letters. Good luck. Welcome back to the fight, Rick. Are you ready, darling? Yes, I am. Goodbye, Rick. God bless you. Come on, go on. You better hurry. You'll miss that plane. Well, there they go, Rick. <laughs> I was right. You are a sentimentalist. I don't know what you're talking about. You know I'll have to arrest you, of course. Yeah, as soon as the plane takes off, Louis. Help me, Renault. Oh, I may still win my bet, Rick. Renault, what is the meaning of that phone call? Victor Laszlo is on that plane. No, stop him, stop him. What are you standing here for? Because Monsieur Rick has a gun in my stomach. I was... I was willing to shoot Captain Renault. I'm willing to shoot you too, Major. Are you crazy? Guards! Guards! Don't call anyone, Major. I'll shoot. I'll stop it myself. Wait! Wait! The plane must not take off! The plane must... What are you doing? Oh, Captain Renault. Someone has just shot Major Strasser. Oh. Oh! Telephone Lieutenant Cassell immediately. And tell him to round up the usual suspects. Yes, Captain. Ricky, it might be a good idea for you to disappear from Casablanca for a while. As a free French garrison at Brazzaville, I could be induced to arrange your passage. Hey, look, you still owe me 5,000 francs. 5,000 francs should just about pay our expenses. Our expenses? Mm-hmm. Oh, Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. That wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. Are you one of those who take for granted the liberties and freedoms granted you as an American citizen? Take the freedom of education. Our American system of education is the fertile soil which feeds the roots of democracy. We're taught to think for ourselves, to shape our own and our country's destinies. This freedom granted to you cannot be taken for granted. All freedoms must be cherished and protected. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from Radio's Golden Days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.